You're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bot and Megan Gesner. Hi, Poison Pals. Harini here. Before we jump into the rest of the episode, Megan and I would like to kindly ask you to please give us a five-star rating and review. That is the best way to help out your favorite podcast. So if you enjoyed any of our episodes, please do give us that little boost. We'd appreciate it so, so much. We love you, Poison Pals. Now on to the rest of the episode. Welcome back, Poison Pals, to another episode of The Deadly Dose. (laughs) That's right, friends. We have officially rebranded we are now the deadly dose and it might get it might take some time to get used to yeah but we just think that this was the best decision for us to rename because it came to our attention very quickly that <laughs> having a title with a curse word in it was not very good for um search engine optimization or yes. family friendliness despite the yeah. fact that our content tends to be explicit in general <laughs> extremely but there's explicit <laughs> But there you have it. We are now the deadly dose. Woo! Rolls off the tongue. We love some alliteration. Yes. Say it three times fast. Deadly dose, deadly dose, deadly, deadly, deadly dose. dose. <laughs> kind of hard, actually. I said diddly dose. <laughs> Damn, that's, that's our alter name. ego. Deadly dose. <laughs> um, so, yeah, welcome. Today is mm-hmm. Harini's turn to ter- share a story. Yeah. It's kind of been a minute for us. We've both um, been traveling, but we've been working on our website. So we've been kind of taking a break from podcasting a little bit, but we are now back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to hear what Harini has to share with us today. <laughs> I know. And not only has it been long because we've just been working on stuff, I had a horrific GI infection. I've just been shitting my brains out. So I have been pushing my story for a while, which I usually don't do. So do have a story on though is this is not the original story i wanted to do my god megan the lengths i think i was having like in the midst of my gi infection i swear Mm. i was like having like a fever dream because Mm. i was going to some weird lengths to get access to a certain episode so basically Mm. i did the rattlesnake episode right right and what i wanted to do was do uh an episode kind of like a follow-up to that which is like a, a spider bite survival like yeah, what yeah. do you do if you get bitten by a spider because i actually think that's a little more mm-hmm. relevant to maybe more mm-hmm. people uh, who might have spiders in their homes whatever yeah yeah so there was like a similar it wasn't i survived <laughs> uh it was like a similar situation where someone survived something mm-hmm. and it was a tv series called alive Okay. It's yeah, like yeah. not on TV anymore. It's like was only like in 2010 or something. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I pride myself on being a little bit of an internet sleuth. If I put my mind to something, I will find it. I will find it. Nowhere. There's absolutely like no, like not even clips, not even clips of this damn episode. Right. Right. And no one's writing about it either. So mm-hmm. it's not like I can even just like read an article and concoct some kind of episode, throw some stuff together. Right. So. Right. The links I went to, I bought, I subscribed to a VPN account because it's available Damn. in the UK, gotcha. Amazon Prime UK. So I got a VPN, said I was in London, <laughs> and then tried to log on to my Amazon Prime account from London to watch mm-hmm. this damn show. But unfortunately, 
it's like one of those things where you have to subscribe to Discovery Plus or something, but you have to have a UK address. I'm like, I don't oh have Lord. any UK friends. Too many oh, I steps. guess I could have asked. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. too many steps. Too many steps. So I was like, after like much ado, I was like, Harini, you got to stop. <laughs> like, just do a different episode. <laughs> it's not, it's not just worth do a different the story. story. It's not worth the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, funny, that's yeah. a little backstory. So I'm doing okay. something totally, totally different. Okay. All right. Megan, have yes. you heard of the study of entomology? Uh, the study of bugs. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yes. You're I right. Have, I have heard this, what this is, word. <laughs> what is the study of bugs? Uh, yeah. Do you know what forensic entomology is? Or have you heard oh, of that? That's interesting. I mean, I know the different definition of both those words. <laughs> yeah. So I could just put those together. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, but I'm I can like, tell you about I it. Didn't, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was a area of forensics. At yeah. All. It's really interesting. interesting. I do want to say a trigger warning before I get into this episode. There are mentions of rape okay. in this, and it might be like that's Ooh. so that's that. But also, what what? No no no, keep going. I have a okay. yes, but keep going. I have, I have oh okay. Thoughts. Yeah. So that's one part. Another part is maybe the language around it because you are going to be talking about bugs and like mm. bodies. So mm. if it might be a little bit gory, so just gonna mm-hmm. put that out there. It's not much. It's very. It's just very minimal. But I wanted to put it out there. Okay. You mentioned rape, so there is a sexual aspect to this, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of STIs that do involve mites and bugs mm. in that regard. So is mm. that anywhere where this is going by chance? No, okay. not at all. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. All right. All. That, okay. That was my guess. That was my guess because I'm like, oh, you know, that that would make sense for forensic entomology. But that is interesting, though, that you say that. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'd have to look at a different case. Okay, yeah. yes. Now so I'm just not, super, not about now that. I'm extra intrigued. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right let's let's, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. So my sources are ABC News, Innocence Canada, Ontario Justice Education Network. Murderpedia, although I didn't use it, but I'll just still, still include it as a source. And then I also got an NCBR article on forensic entomology, Oregon Advocates. Okay, mm. here we go. So at around 7 p.m. on June 9th, 1959, Stephen Trescott is seen giving Lynn Harper a ride on his bike. Okay, that's at 7 p.m. Okay. At 8 p.m., a neighbor sees Stephen on his bike, but alone. Okay. Lynn and Stephen had parted ways just prior to that. However, Lynn never comes home that night, so her father reports her missing. And two days later, on June 11th, Lynn's body was found in a nearby wooded area. She Mm. was sexually assaulted and strangled. Mm. Two days after that, on June 13th, 1959, Stephen is charged with Lynn's murder, and he is sentenced to die by hanging. Mm. He is 14 years old. What, um... Wait, where is this taking place? What state? It's not Ontario in Canada. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. I don't know anything about Ontario's um, no, uh, execution laws. I, I don't know if it's changed because this, this is definitely an older story, but mm. at that time. I, okay. I will say both both Lynn and Stephen were 14, so they're young. They're just kids. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so hmm. his sentence and his young age sparked a lot of conversation around the death penalty in Canada. Regardless... Stephen maintains his innocence and at, at the time 
but ends up spending the rest of his life maintaining that innocence in jail. Okay. All right. Even though he's a minor, he was still asked to stand trial as an adult. Hmm. The Crown's theory in Canada was that Stephen did not drop off Lynn as he said he did, but rather he turned off the road, killed her sometime between 7 p.m. and 7.45 p.m. on the evening of June 9th. Hmm. Okay. This theory is supported by various witness testimonies that were kind of just strung together. And what I mean by that is, for example, one witness claimed to see Stephen near the area where Lynn's body was found. Then the autopsy doctor, Dr. John Pennison, testified that Lynn died within that same window where Stephen was seen in that area. So kind of like corroborating each other. Right. And the fact that there were lesions on Stephen's penis, which was argued could have been sustained from sexual assault. Mm. Yet Stephen, as I said, maintains his innocence throughout the trial. He insists that Lynn was alive and well when he dropped her off at the intersection of County Road and Highway 8. He also said that he happened to stop his bike and look back in time to see Lynn stepping into a gray Chevy with a yellow license plate. Hmm. There were several witnesses that corroborated Stephen's version of events, saying that they had seen Stephen and Lynn riding towards that intersection where he dropped her off, or that they had seen him standing on the bridge looking in her direction. Hmm. Witnesses also note that Stephen seemed normal when they saw him on the school grounds later that evening at 8 p.m. No one had seen Stephen entering or leaving that wooded area where Lynn was found. Hmm. So those are kind of like the two sides of what's what's being said here. I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. His story when he was serving his sentence mm -hmm. that did that story ever alter? Um, for example, like that specific yeah. detail of being like, I saw her getting into a gray Chevy with a yellow license plate. That's mm -hmm. very specific, I feel. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, how they always say like people who tend to be truthful in their accounts just keep it the same there's never yeah. any fluffing of it there's never mm -hmm. any change so i'm just curious if that yeah. was like something that you read up on of like he never ever changed that detail or gave more detail or less you know what i mean just curious. yeah he he does maintain that same story and to your point like as far as i can tell he doesn't mm -hmm. add more spice to right. the story right. or detract from what he's already said. He just yeah. says the same thing kind of over and over again. Okay. All right. Just interested. The time of death is concluded by the autopsy doctor, John Penniston, based on the contents in her stomach. Whatever was in her stomach at the time, it was in her body less than two hours at the time of her death. So mm -hmm. working backwards in his mind, he's thinking, okay, she must have eaten in the last two hours because it's not digested more than that, right? So right. that's that has to be the time of death. Right. So on September 30th, 1959, the jury finds Stephen guilty. Hmm. Stephen appeals his conviction to the Ontario Court of Appeal, but the court unanim unanimously dismissed his appeal on January 20th, 1960. Hmm. One good thing that happened was that the governor general commutes Stephen's death sentence to life imprisonment, considering his age, which allowed Stephen to keep fighting for justice rather than be executed for a crime he says he didn't commit. Right. So Stephen appeals his case once more and is once more denied. At this point, Stephen is out of legal options, so he remains in jail for the next 10 years. 
after 10 years, he is released on parole for good behavior on October 21st, 1969. He moves away from the area. He changes his name and he works at a millwright. Mm. And in 1970, he marries his wife, Marlene, and they raise three children together and is never charged with any other criminal offense. 38 years later, in 1997, Innocence Canada, very similar to the Innocence Project here in the U.S., right, right. they pick up Stephen's case. Mm. Innocence Canada counsel, they travel to Stephen and Marlene's home. So Stephen does not put this like out there. Like He's not saying, like I want this case to be picked up. I want justice, whatever. Yeah. They just picked up his case, and they go to him. They ask him, like, would you allow us to investigate this case on your behalf? Mm. And Stephen quickly gives the okay to start the investigation for any evidence that could prove his innocence once and for all. Mm. The defense put together this robust case, and they provide evidence that the method the Crown used to determine Lynn's time of death was not reliable, which was examination of stomach contents. Mm. So they put that out in 1997. So a few years later, in 2001, this is now 42 years since Stephen has been convicted. The Innocence Canada submit their application for a ministerial review of Stephen's conviction under Section 690 of the Criminal Code. Three years later, in April 2004, the Minister of Justice concludes that based on the investigative report, there was, quote, clearly a reasonable basis for concluding that a miscarriage of justice likely occurred, unquote. Hmm. Okay. In light of this, the Minister of Justice referred the case back to the Court of Appeal, the same court which had refused to hear Steve's appeal in 1960, 41 years earlier. Yeah. So finally, in June of 2006, the Court of Appeals conducts a three-week-long hearing with Stephen, his Innocence Canada counsel present, with their new evidence that they believed would lead to an acquittal of Stephen and Lynn's murder. Hmm. The thing is... If this crime had happened in the last 10 to 20 years, it would have easily been solved with DNA evidence. And sometimes that can't happen. Crimes I've committed before DNA was actually involved. It can still be solved with DNA if there are DNA remains, right, from the crime scene. Unfortunately, there were none. Nothing Mm -hmm. has remained from the crime scene as far as DNA evidence. So the chief counsel, Lockyer, he turns to a relatively new science called forensic entomology. Hmm. So among the experts that testified that day was entomologist Richard Merritt of Michigan State University. He is, this is I thought this was really interesting, he's just one of 12 certified forensic entomologists in all of the United States. Hmm. He testifies for a grueling seven hours about the crime scene witnesses that were not called in to testify in the 1959 murder trial. Common flies. Ooh. Okay, real quick. Seven yeah. hours in one day? Or is it, it split? It, Do we I, it, sounds like it, it sounds like it's one day. That's crazy. <laughs> about flies. I know. All about flies. This is the day I've been waiting for. <laughs> I know. Hours. Talk about flies. Oh, he, I know he was excited about that. Here we go. Here we go now. <laughs> All right. So Merritt recounts that, quote, it was a horrific crime. I could never imagine a kid who went to school with this girl and was a friend of hers could have done this. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of thinking along those lines. And he realizes, all of everyone realizes, Lynn's time of death is key to solving this case. The time of her death has been the subject of intense controversy from the outset. Mm. So 
numerous witnesses, just a recap, numerous witnesses testify that they saw the two kids riding on his bike at around 7 p.m. And then Stephen was seen alone at 8 p.m. So if Stephen did do it, the murder had to occur during this very narrow window between 7 and 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. The pathologist who conducted the autopsy put the time of death at precisely between 7.15 and 7.45. Dr. John Penniston, as we said, bases this time of death on stomach contents, which he testifies is within like those two hours. During the appellate court appeal, though, several experts testified that stomach contents are not a reliable source of evidence because food is subject to many variables like temperature, Mm -hmm. what the food was, and et cetera, many other things. Right. Dr. Merritt, the forensic entomologist, he is a little more blunt in his assessment. He said that assessment was total crap, Mm. (laughs) like the whole stomach contents. (laughs) He's like, that's not real science. Mm. Even Dr. Penniston, after all these years later, he kind of knows he fucked up. So he handwrites a memo to call for a reappraisal that he spoke with too much confidence at the time of the trial. And he says it's not out of the realm of possibility that Lynn was murdered several hours later, maybe even the next day. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Almost 50 years later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Don't know what to say. Gotta love it. It just blows my mind. I mean, I don't know. Like... I can't guess what was going through this person's head, but it's the, to me, I'm like, so you're telling me if this innocence Canada did not ever approach, sorry, what's it got? Steve? His same Steve. Steve, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steven. did not ever approach Steve this many years later, the original coroner? Yeah, the pathologist, the original, yeah. Pathologist. I'm trying to get the, the titles right. Mm-hmm. The original pathologist would have just been like, I don't ever have to bring this up ever again. Like, it wasn't ever in his conscience, ever, until it was pointed out to him 50-plus years later. Blows my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I think he started (laughs) to talk about this around 97 when the Innocence Canada started to Mm -hmm. stir it up again. So you're right. I don't know if he would have said something before that. Right. So I mean, like, I I, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, is that his responsibility? Part of me is like, yes. in many ways it is. Yes. Because that landed someone 10 years in jail, plus just like trauma of having. And he's not innocent. That. Like he's he's right. a convicted criminal. Right. Exactly. Forever. Yeah. So it is interesting. I mean, yeah, I guess if you wanted to right your wrong, it's better late than never. But at the same <laughs> right. time, I'm like, for real? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 What? it is i don't know it's really shitty it's really shitty that's all i can say um yes okay so Mm -hmm. the entomologist merit was able to show the court through his evidence that the death occurred much later probably the following day at a time when steven was known to be somewhere else he had a solid alibi Mm -hmm. for pretty much any time after 8 p.m so long before lynn's body was discovered blowflies found it Whenever there is a death, especially if there's blood, but even if there's not blood, it only takes a few minutes for insects to find the victim. I did not know this. Hmm. I was reading other stories. So I was there was like two possibilities of how I wanted the story to go. I was either going to tell like a bunch of mini stories or mm-hmm. just focus on one story. So I can tell another story. But basically, there was another scenario where... Uh, forensic entomology was used where a man mm-hmm. was found dead in an alleyway and they convicted this woman f- for killing him. Mm. And what they realized is that the flies literally attracted to his body because there's blood involved. The flies mm. went directly to his body within 
two minutes, like two to three minutes. It was, wow. it, it was very quick, very quick. Interesting. I mean, so that is a thing. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking of like scenarios. Okay. Well, I have two things to say. One, I've yeah. actually thought about this. I've, I have currently an ant infestation in my kitchen. <laughs> it's because of the cat food and I'm trying to solve that. Okay. I'm not <laughs> okay. a gross person. Okay. It just happens. It's hot. Happens in San right. Diego. You get ants. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 But that said, I do sometimes look at the ants and I did have this thought of like, well, one, I was like, if I were to die in my house, how quickly would they get at me? Probably very quickly because very quickly. I just, I mean, they crawl on me as a living person anyway. So <laughs> there's that. And then I also thought about the same thing of like, if I were to die, how quickly would it take for my cats to feed on my body? Because oh they're my not God. Fed? Those are the thoughts I have. Whatever. I can think what I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then here's, those are just the thoughts. And then um, going back to... The actual like bugs or flies slash yeah. ants are quick to go to blood. This might actually be something that a lot of women experience. I think you know where I'm going to go with this. For those who do not have periods, then this is probably going to be TMI slash news <laughs> for you. But it's biology and it's actually kind of neat. It's a science yeah. thing. But like I have seen ants go into trash cans where there are... um like pads disposed mm-hmm. that have blood on them or mm-hmm. even if there's just discharge um on like sanitary napkins yeah sometimes you you can find like it, again like if you already have an ant infestation in your house you'll right. see them actually trail into the trash and mm-hmm. get at the period blood or mm-hmm. the discharge and also i've had girlfriends talk to me about how even their laundry baskets like one day they notice like there's an ant trail going into my laundry basket and it's the ants are actually attracted to the dirty underwear yeah um because of the whatever you know the vaginal discharge mm-hmm. sorry if you're uncomfortable with that language <laughs> but like that's a thing that happens so if yeah. you have a spouse who is a lady and has <laughs> female genitals yeah see if you know <laughs> there's ever any ants going into your laundry basket right through probably their why. panty if, yeah, exactly if you're wondering like why are there always ants in our laundry well that's that's why they're attracted to it's that science stuff. it's, it's the science. sugar sugar inside the uh the mucus yep. all the yeah. sugars and mm-hmm. proteins all of all of the above yep yeah anyway we are just so, yeah. abundant <laughs> with food substances in our bodies yeah. as women all right yeah so as i said long before lynn's body was discovered blowflies found it and whenever there is death especially with blood it only takes a few minutes for the insects to find the victim Merritt, his job basically is to as a forensic entomologist in the u.s is to use his knowledge of insects at crime scenes to provide evidence and his specialty is using insects to determine the time of death so Merritt says, quote, they are a natural stopwatch because insects don't lie. They grow at a constant rate based on temperature. So determining how big the fly larva, larvae or larva, mm-hmm. larva were, was, work, yeah. <laughs> born, well, okay. so determining how big the fly larva w- were was an accurate measurement for how long a person was dead. So typically when a death occurs, insect samples are collected. So this is something that they do now nowadays so if, when a death occurs they will collect the insect samples they'll measure them and they'll use them to identify an accurate time of death i don't know if it's like the sole measurement but it's one of the ways that they can determine time of death hmm. i learned another way and i don't know if this is real so if anyone has more information about this please do email us or tell us but based on like one of my 
crime TV shows that I watch, I know they sometimes determine time of death by rectum temperature. Hmm. I don't know about Have that. Have you heard of that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't heard about that. I'm trying to like do the logic in my head. I mean, that's how you tell your temperature when you're sick sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, know. that's true. Maybe that's, that's true. Like the same so like time process. of death, like I think so. I think you could work backwards, but if I'm totally just like talking out my ass, no yeah. pun intended, <laughs> let me know. Okay. <laughs> so they will usually collect all the insects at the time of death, use it to identify time of death. But mm. this murder happened almost five dec- decades ago. Right. So there is none of that. No one collected anything. We don't have any of that. So what do we do? Luckily, the court record kept several photographs and precise measurements of insects that colonize the body moments after death. So what Merritt does is he looks through these photographs. He's able to see the measurements and see the larvae that are on the body. And the main insect on the body was a blowfly that laid hundreds of eggs Mm. beginning soon after they find the body. Mm -hmm. By they, I mean the flies. Okay. The life cycle of the blowfly is well known, so Merritt is able to work backwards from the time that the body was discovered to the time when the flies first colonized the body to determine the exact mm. time of death. They did that by measuring the size of the larvae larva or maggots in the early photographs. They, they found that the maggots were not nearly as large as they, sh- as they would have been if they had been present on the body since the early evening on June 9th. As they said in the original trial, meaning the flies laid the eggs later Mm. than 7 p.m. Right. Merritt testified that Lynn was likely killed the next morning and not during the narrow window the night before between that 7.15 to 7.45 p.m. Wow. It is not possible that Stephen could have been the killer. Mm. Based on this evidence, Lockyer, who's the chief counsel of Innocence Canada, and his fellow attorneys argue that simply reversing the conviction was not enough. They wanted the court to go one step further and declare Stephen innocent. Mm. But under Canadian law, there's no way to declare someone innocent after they've been convicted. So the best that they could do was toss out the conviction and deem okay. the entire case a miscarriage of justice, which is what they ended up doing. Mm. That's an, that's interesting how those are all different brackets essentially like they don't equate the same thing yeah uh, in in terms of their definition right so like Mm -hmm. to overturn a conviction does not equate declaring him innocent right even though it is like the conviction was saying he was the murderer therefore to overturn it would be the opposite which means correct but i don't i don't i just don't know how these legal definitions yeah what are the semantics right exactly that's interesting yeah yeah but i mean at the end of the day, semantics are whatever if like he he feels that satisfaction or relief from living that hell, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To have it be described that this was a miscarriage of justice or whatever, like Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess I pardon me is like I I think that would be good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as people know the truth, whatever right. which way, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. most important, right? Yeah. Um All these years later, Stephen, who doesn't talk much anymore about what happened, he is free and not guilty, but still has not declared 
has still not been declared innocent of a murder that science said Mm. he could not have committed. Interesting. It took nearly 50 years, but Bugs brought justice to Stephen Truscott. Yeah. And that's the story portion. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's really rad. And I just always, um, whenever I hear about new elements of forensics or like any sort of, you know, you, um, any sort of field of work and how there's Mm -hmm. a niche within a niche field of work always blows my mind. And I'm like, I know there's so many different types of fields of forensics, but yeah, this is the first time I've heard about forensic entomology and that's really rad. It's really cool. It's a little bit gross depending on like, if you don't like insects and things like that. And like thinking about like, bugs colonizing your body after death is like not it's a little bit grim but it is very fascinating and clearly it can save your life yeah super important and it's one of those things where i'm like either i don't watch or tune into true crime or just forensic science enough but when you Mm -hmm. said it and explained it all i was like that makes total sense like why wouldn't you look at the maggots that are yeah. falling on a dead body, especially yeah. if it's a homicide. You've got to take into account every single element. Every detail. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? <laughs> As someone who does consume, a, I wouldn't say like a ton of true, tri- true mm-hmm. crime, but a, a lot of enough. Yeah. They don't ever talk about this. Like this was news to me. I found out about this like a, several years back, not because of a show or anything, but just out of word of mouth. Actually, I don't know if Kira is listening to this right now, but an entomologist, like she studied this and she was the one that was telling me about forensic entomology because Keto's like, oh, she has a true crime podcast or has a true Mm. crime podcast. She she likes true crime. Like you should listen to it. And she was like, oh, have you heard ever heard of forensic entomology? And I was like, no, what is that? And then she told me about it. I'm like, whoa. So I had that tucked back in my mind. I was just like, don't know when I was going to do a story in it. But yes. So very interesting stuff. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. My last ahead. my last thought was also like I think I find it so fascinating because bugs are all around us and I'm like they yeah. are the silent witnesses like for I yes. like guaranteed every murder that has happened has never occurred in a clean room whatever they called like right you know, right it's not in a sterile environment for sure mm-hmm, and I guarantee mm-hmm. you there have been bugs witnessing every like every murder that's happened I'm like if only we could talk like to them the like the black dahlia yeah, yeah. Those bugs know. They've yeah, known for they years. They know exactly who it was. They're yeah. telling. They're trying to tell us. They're trying. We can't, we can't speak bug. We can't speak bug. <laughs> gotta watch Bugs Life at least fifty times over to learn the language. We gotta. We'll we gotta there. watch Bugs Life forward and back in reverse <laughs> to hear yeah, the yeah, audio. In reverse. <laughs> it's a secret message. Tells us yes. how to teach, talk to bugs. Anyway. But dude, Megan, okay, I'll have to send you this article because I definitely went down a loophole because there's actually, if you just look up forensic entomology or forensic entomology cases, mm. there are a good amount of cases that were literally overturned or solved purely based on the bugs that's and nothing so else. Rad. It's so, oh, that's so wild. Cool. It's so wild. Yeah. So if we have a little bit of time at the end of this, I can share, because they're really short, I can share mm-hmm. one more, but I'll get through the toxicology okay. real quick. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, what is the science of entomology? I've already talked about it a little bit, but forensic entomology is the study of the application of insects and other arthropods in criminal investigation. Mm-hmm. Both are found in decomposing bodies and are used to estimate either the time of death or, yeah, time of death, mm-hmm. <laughs> also yeah, called yeah, yeah. postmortem index or PMI. Mm-hmm. 
The first recorded incident where insects were used in a criminal investigation, this is so cool, was in 13th century China, as described in Sung Tzu's book called The Washing Away of Wrongs. Wow. (laughs) And this is what happened. So after a farmer was found murdered in a field with a sharp weapon, all the suspects were told to place their sickles on the ground. Mm. Only one sickle attracted blowflies to the trace blood particles invisible to the naked eye, and that's how they were able to convict their criminal. That is so rad. Isn't that freaking cool? And it just seems so easy, too. Yeah. How easy was that? <laughs> how easy? It's so smart. It's so smart. Damn. That's so cool. Like, and that's really interesting to me that we don't – this was 13th century, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I – like that – my mind first immediately went to how many cases have we seen where the killer has cleaned up so well, so meticulously. Mm, mm-hmm. And I just wonder what if we just let loose some flies? Right. And right. They would just point us to all the blood spots, but I guess like luminol does the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean like we I, are, I, 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 I want my flies. I want my flies. I, I, I know if I <laughs> just, just release the flies. Um, yeah. I I feel strongly that we are sophisticated enough in our <laughs> brains for those who decide to to choose to kill or murder. Um, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna do the best they can to oh to my god their, to clean their weapons and stuff. Um, yeah. So what I'm what I am trying to lead to is I'm curious to know if within the field of forensic entomology they do tests with blow flies for example or just whatever yeah. whatever in- insects are most common in murders or decomposing bodies i wonder mm-hmm. if they do like little um controlled trials where like okay here's a knife that had blood on it but now it's cleaned with whatever is the best yeah. cleaning solution does a fly pick that up you know like right. i wonder if they do stuff like that yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure they do but yeah great point like i'm sure we have other methods that are <laughs> that don't involve insects <laughs> <laughs> letting insects yeah. loose on right. a body or area yeah <laughs> yeah so that was just like an old history example so w- like what actually happens and why do we attract flies when we pass away mm. so when a person dies their cells immediately start to die mm. and as and their enzymes in the body start to to digest the cells in a process mm-hmm. called autolysis mm-hmm. which is essentially what decomposing is mm-hmm bacteria and microbes in our gi tract they also destroyed the cells the soft tissue specifically and that process releases gases like sulfur carbon dioxide methane etc and those gases are what attract the insects Mm. and all this is happening very quickly there are also various ways in which entomology can be used in crime scene investigations. So I was kind of trying to get at that in the beginning, but it's not just used for time of death. So that's one of them. So mm. the larvae of the flies that feed on the decomposing body can also ingest any drugs or poisons that was originally ingested or forced upon the deceased. Yeah. Very freaking cool. Yeah. So this is important because bodies which are discovered in already advanced stages of decomposition or even a skeleton are hard to examine for toxicological substances. Mm -hmm. So in this instance, the larva can be used to determine toxicology. Mm. Also, certain drugs affect the larva differently. For example, cocaine and heroin can accelerate larva development, Mm -hmm. whereas poisons, like traditional poisons, Mm -hmm. tend to delay larva development. 
Mm-hmm. Also, identification of bug species can determine where the deceased was actually killed. Mm. For example, if a person was killed in location A but then moved to location right. B where the body was eventually discovered, mm-hmm. then insects that immediately colonize the body after death can help identify location A based mm-hmm. on the unique arthropods slash insects that only come from that area. Right, right. That's so cool. That's so it. like if I was killed at the beach and yeah. little did – I know, all these hypotheticals no. today. Uh, and little did my, my uh, attacker know that while they're – getting my body wrapped to put in their car, I've picked up some sort of beach mites or insects or whatever. Sure. And they moved me and dumped me in the desert. Mm -hmm. But I got beach mites on me. Yeah. That's how they know. That's how they know. That's That's how they know. (laughs) So, you know, nature, nature doesn't lie. Nature does not lie. Hmm. That's, that's the end of it. I am. It's really cool. Thoroughly enjoying this. (laughs) I, I think I so enjoy it because it's kind of nutty. It's like a nutty. It's super thing. nutty. It's super um, nutty. I'm trying to see if there's like a good small case that I can just yeah pick up for you guys. Yeah, part of me is like maybe I should just keep this ant infestation around. <laughs> yeah, you never know. It might come you in never handy. Know. <laughs> it might come in handy if I need my own murder solved at some point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think I have one that is a little bit. It's short. It's from PBS. Let me just um, cite the source really quickly. So it's called Season 24, Episode 13. Maybe it's a podcast. It's called Crime Scene Creatures Case Files. Okay. Cool. So let me just make sure this is the correct one. Is this the 28 day? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So on a mid-November afternoon, I'm just going to read this directly. Mm -hmm. Okay. On a mid-November afternoon, police were called to investigate a foul-smelling odor emanating from a single-family home in the southeastern U.S., it didn't take long for the investigating officers to discover a shallow grave in the dirt basement of the house, which mm. contained the badly decomposed body of a young female. It was immediately apparent that the victim had died of a single bullet wound to the head inflicted by a small caliber rifle. Mm. A scrupulous examination of the corpse and excavation of the soil in and around the gravesite by a forensic entomologist working with the police revealed the presence of numerous larvae and pupae of two different fly species. Mm. The specimens were collected from the scene and brought back to the lab to be reared. Supplemental information, including weather data, soil temperature, were also analyzed in order to determine the principal climatic climatic conditions at the death site. Mm. Mm-hmm. Based on the developmental biology of both species of flies in that particular environment, the forensic entomologist estimated that the specimens associated with the body, the longest, were in their fourth stage of development. It was estimated that the victim had died approximately 20 days prior to the date her body was actually discovered. Hmm. This specific information allowed the authorities to target their investigation in and around the estimated time of death and to a specific geographical area. Right. Within a short time, they identified a female suspect who eventually confessed to having killed the victim precisely 28 days wow. prior to the time Damn. the body was found. She further admitted to attempting to bury the victim in a shallow grave in the basement of the house after committing the homicide. Calculating the developmental rate of the flies provided investigators with the only scientifically reliable method of estimating the time of the victim's death and subsequently led to the arrest and conviction of the killer. Wow. So cool. So So cool. cool. So precise. Yes. That blows my mind. so rad. 
Damn. You blow flies, blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I am definitely just so fascinated and I really want to get into this in terms of like now I'm just like after we hang up and stop yeah. recording, I'm going to be looking for my next true crime show <laughs> that involves some form of forensic entomology because I, I need that in my life. Like it's so Dude, satisfying. It's so Megan, satisfying. I was actually going to say there are so, actually so many interesting stories, like interesting mm. cases surrounding forensic entomology. So this could totally be like another episode that you do because there's just yes. so much and it's so cool. Love like that. I just, I barely scratched the surface, you know? Yeah. And uh, I know it's, yeah, I know it's just like, it's blow flies right now, but in my head I'm like, dude, <laughs> what if it's some crazy insect that like, yeah. just like it's very specific to a right. certain part of the body, like all Correct. that stuff. I'm, yeah. Like there's so that's what I'm trying to say. Like I scratched, I barely scratched the surface. There's yeah. so much more to dig into that. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. <sighs> this is rad. Thanks for bringing yeah. this forward. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> it's a little grim. I know it's a little grim. I know, it's grim. So let's do the during the daytime. If you don't like the stuff, I don't know, but I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah I thought it, this was this was really cool. It's right up my alley. I like that mm -hmm. stuff. This is a good first episode as the Deadly Dose podcast. Yes. Yes. Deadly dose. Deadly like dose. Deadly <laughs> dose. Uh, okay. Well, shall we go into antidotes? Yeah, yeah. Are let's we, do antidotes. Okay, we, all right. Cool. All right. So <laughs> let's go into antidotes. Okay. My antidote is... Do, 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 do. Um, I had a good weekend. Like, you know, good. simple, simple dimple, simple yeah. dimple. Uh, just had a very <laughs> relaxing weekend. Weirdly, like, okay, the the weekend prior to the weekend I'm talking mm -hmm. about. So two weekends ago, it was mm -hmm. Memorial Day weekend. So, yeah. you know, long weekend, three, three-day weekend um, for those of us who live in the States. But, like, that weekend felt so fast. And maybe mm. that's because, you know, I was doing stuff, being yeah. know, going out every day, being active. Um, but, in like, this weekend, just a regular, schmegular two-day weekend, um, <laughs> felt very slow and good. but 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 in a good way yeah. where I, where it made me do the comparison of like damn my memorial yeah. day weekend didn't do anything for me i didn't feel <laughs> you know relaxed like i didn't feel like i yeah. got a full vacation but this weekend was like very peaceful and just good. very slow and um like today we're recording on oh it's already monday damn I but know. sunday yesterday yeah. <laughs> yesterday felt like nice and long and yeah. just very good for my health, I guess. Yeah. So that's yeah. my antidote. Nothing special. Love I just it. really appreciated ha having a weekend that felt truly uh, relaxing. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, now we're back into the work week. So yeah, we sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I was just going to say like, there's just, it's like something special when you know, you don't have anywhere to be. You don't yeah. have anything to do. Yeah. Y your time is yours. You right, know, right. that is yeah. that is the peace of mind that yeah. I strive for. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I we kind of talked about this a little bit over the weekend, but I was definitely very sleepy. Mm -hmm, I was just mm -hmm. very sleepy all weekend. <laughs> I don't know if something's wrong with me, but like I didn't regret napping a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, this is a weekend where I was very easy on myself and not yeah. getting mad at myself for not being active i was like you know what yeah 
I'm going to nap three times today. And Dude, that's hell okay. yeah. And I did. Hell yeah. I did nap three separate times. I don't know. That is a skill. <laughs> that is a skill. I was just so tired. So anyway. Um, I love it. So yeah, that's, Not that, being, that's my. Yeah. Product, uh, being productive can be so overrated. <laughs> hell yeah. Yes. I was a little. Say louder. <laughs> Say louder for the people in the back. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. my antidote is, I would say my antidote is we finally got patio furniture. Yay. Congratulations. That's Which really is cool. nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we finally committed and I'm the kind of person that doesn't like things to be half finished, you know? Yeah. So it was like a spot in my house that bothered me. I know Megan, you feel the same way because mm-hmm. like once you wanted your house to be done, I yeah. want my house to be done. Maybe. So when I just every time I go in my bedroom, I just see all like the litter. It's like when I say <laughs> litter, I mean like all of Dave's dead plants are uh, there. It's okay, like the okay. it's like a plant graveyard back there. And yeah, it yeah. Irritates me. So gotcha. I was just like, I need it to be clean, right. and nice because we right. just got our uni, our like pizza mm. oven thing. So yes. I want to set it up because it's summer. It's so nice out. I'm like, I want to have a space another space in our home that we're not utilizing but i want a space where we can just relax and enjoy the sun and be outdoors so something that's just like our space so i was like let's do it so we dave and i took time out of our work day today and we both drove team effort drove to like um los gatos which was like 40 minutes Mm -hmm. from us we hauled it into both of our cars drove back set it up it's beautiful so i'm really excited to have you over when you visit manira it'll be nice yeah, it's um, it's been a minute since. Oh, that's a lie. I was gonna say it's been a minute since I've had patio furniture. In some oh. ways, it has because I haven't had like a proper patio furniture set for several years. But it does make a difference. Like it does when you have a patio, like it is nice to actually have a space to enjoy it or have yeah. things that allow you to enjoy it. Um, and I know maybe that's not everyone's style or whatever, but like just the feeling of being able to step outside in a different space and enjoy the whatever the outdoors has to offer you Mm -hmm. can be really, really rewarding. So big congratulations. Um, Getting new furniture is always (laughs) exciting too. And I hope that his plant graveyard becomes a thriving jungle with the furniture there now. (laughs) We shall see. Really good. I, I do love so, me happy. my yeah. I do love me my Craigslist, my Facebook Marketplace, and um, offer up there is some so good, good stuff. So love me. I'm yeah, always yeah. doing the Holy Trinity every day. <laughs> love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> all right, guys. All right, Harini, let's take it out. away. Okay, don't risk it for that blowfly biscuit. I'm actually, you do want to risk it. You do. You it's do true. want to risk it. Yeah. Keep them around. And as I say, there's a moth <laughs> o- right over me. All right. What, what will that moth? It's ominous. Today? I know. It was, it was <laughs> ominous. I'm not trying to die anytime soon. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. See ya.